3: The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Live.
4: Kyle Larson up off of turn number four. White flag goes in the air. Young Money is a lap away from Big Money.
5: Harvick to the bottom of the racetrack. Just waves him by. Final pass of the night, and that will be it. Kyle Larson down the back straightaway, ready to finish out a spectacular
6: all-star victory all-star winner three of the last five times out take the check to the bank one million dollars kyle larson has won
7: the nascar all-star race at the north wilkesboro speedway this car was just so good i was so bad uh friday and saturday and um honestly (laughs) i told my buddies i was like i'm gonna run like 15th today so uh I mean, never, I think that just shows and never count out this team. You know, they, even when we were not good in practice, you give them a night to work on it, they're going to get it better. So they got two nights to work on it this week. And that's why we were so good during the, the race there. So uh, a million bucks, third all-star win, third different track. It feels, feels so good.
3: NASCAR Live is brought to you by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. From the MRN studios in Concord, North Carolina, here is your host, Mike Bagley.
8: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of NASCAR Live here on the Motor Racing Network. Mike Bagley and the entire MRN crew here with you as we get ready to plow into Memorial Day weekend. Before we do, we have unfinished business to tend to, like... An MRN backtracks that's going to take us back through the entire weekend in Wilkes County, North Carolina. Our return to the North Wilkesboro Speedway for the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series and the NASCAR Cup Series via the NASCAR All-Star Race. As we get ready for this coming weekend, we're going to chat with the former winner of the Coca-Cola 600, Austin Dillon. We'll stop by ahead of this weekend's racing at Charlotte Motor Speedway. And being that it's Memorial Day weekend, we're going to honor military veteran and NASCAR Hall of Famer Bud Moore. We're also going to do a deep dive on what it takes to complete the Indy 500 Coke 600 double. Plus, we'll also hear if drivers are expecting this weekend's 600 miler to be as wild as last year's was. But before we get to all that, Kyle Ricky is here with a check of the latest headlines in NASCAR. Kyle?
9: Mike, after the conclusion of the NASCAR All-Star Race at North Wilkesboro Speedway, a question that arose about the property is when and do they repave the track surface? Speedway Motorsports Chief Executive Officer Marcus Smith weighed in on the conversation. What I think is that our, our team has done an amazing job at preserving the track, keeping it together. They've learned some new things on the surface and kind of managing it, keeping it together and creating a, a really uh, varied surface that I think challenges the team's So um, it'll be interesting to see how it how it uh, weathers, and when it needs to be repaved, we'll repave it. I think I would lean towards not repaving until we absolutely have to. The track was last repaved in 1981, and the Triple Truck Challenge is back this weekend at the Charlotte Motor Speedway for the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series. So that means Cup Series regulars will not be allowed to compete in Friday night's North Carolina Education Lottery 200. Returning behind the wheel to pilot the number one truck for Tricon Garage will be team co-owner David Gilliland. It will be Gilliland's first start in the series since he last ran at Darlington two years ago. Gilliland is one of 37 drivers entered for the race that can be heard here on MRN beginning at 8pm Eastern Time Friday evening. Mike?
8: Thank you Kyle. Coming up, we'll relive a weekend to remember at the North Wilkesboro Speedway and later Austin Dillon will join us.
10: i in your hand
6: This is NASCAR Live. Now,
3: back to Mike Bagley.
8: Welcome back to NASCAR Live. After nearly 30 years away, NASCAR returned to North Wilkesboro Speedway in North Wilkesboro, North Carolina. From the pit crew challenge on Friday to the truck race on Saturday to Kyle Larson's dominance on Sunday, it was certainly a weekend to remember.
4: For the first time in nearly 27 years, the track is open for practice for the NASCAR Cup Series at North Wilkesboro Speedway. And it is a flurry of activity. Drivers scrambling to get out of the garage. Oh, trouble. Daniel Suarez goes up the racetrack. Jeff, did he catch the wall with the back end of the track house Chevrolet? I don't know,
6: Alex. If he didn't, he sure came close. Well, that didn't take long. Less than one lap complete. And Suarez is back to Chevrolet. If not into it, close to it. The red and black flags fly.
4: Single lap speeds. Kyle Larson, Brad Keselowski, Denny Hamlin, Chris Buescher, and Chase Briscoe. The fast five. Practice has concluded, and we're getting set for the NASCAR Cup Series pit crew showdown. And there's a huge crowd on hand. We got Joe Gibbs Racing
11: up next. Chris Gale is the crew chief. Ty Gibbs is the driver. This is the monster energy car, number 54 emblazoned on the side. Blake Houston is the front tire changer. Michael Hicks, the veteran rear tire changer. Daryl Edwards is the jack man. Jacob Holmes is the tire carrier. And Peyton Moore is the fuel man. And here comes Ty, the NASCAR Xfinity Series reigning champion, the 20-year-old from Charlotte, North Carolina. Crew is around to the right side of the car. Right side work is done, and that looked awful good. Left side work is done now. Jack is dropped. That looked like a good one, the reaction of the crew. They think they nailed it. Oh, they did,
6: Postman. You nailed it. 13-0-1-2. They go to the top. And then there was one. It's either going to be Ty Gibbs or it's going to be Ross Chastain
11: to be the fastest. Steve Post. Here he is. Crew around to the right side and a little hesitant with the right front tire coming off. We'll see now as they go around to the left side of that car. Jack is under the car. Car is up in the air. The car is down. And Ross Chastain, a bobble getting out of the pit box as well. So we'll see how they fared. But Ross Chastain has wrapped up his service.
6: And he does so by coming across the timing line 13th with a 14.373. Ty Gibbs representing Joe Gibbs Racing. Their crew busting out to stop good enough. For first place here in the Pit Crew Challenge, Ty
10: Gibbs, you and your team got it done. Won the Pit Crew Challenge, hundred thousand dollar bonus. What was it like sitting there as the other teams had to go
7: through, and you just kept on holding to that top spot? Yeah, for sure. I just want to give credit to all my guys. Uh, you know, my Jack Mandrell, got Jake, Peyton, Mike, uh, Blake. Yeah, all those guys out there that worked real hard. So, uh, all credit to them. This is a really cool experience. Uh, starting on the pole here. And, themselves a hundred grand, so that's all credit to them. I appreciate having a great group of guys around me and, and you know, be able to see them shine is awesome be a part of this whole deal. The gunslinger Mike Skinner on top of the flag
6: stand, North Wilkesboro Speedway about to go in action for the first time since 1996 and the green is out. Corey Heim on the outside, Carson Hosomar on the inside. Battle for the race lead is on off turn four. And it's over just that quick. You talked about it a moment ago. Kyle Larson by Carson Hosovar. Kyle Larson by Corey Heim. The start of overtime. Kyle Larson inside lane. Green flag in here.
4: Bubba Wallace spins the tires big time on the outside. They're going to jumble up headed to turn one, but it's going to be Larson showing the way.
5: Larson away
4: with the lead.
5: Majeski right there on his back bumper to the inside back. De Benedetto, De Benedetto will take third. Bubba Wallace
6: trying to hang on to the outside. Here comes Hosovar looking low. Boy, further back, they are three wide and wailing on one another. The white flag is in the air. Next flag will end it. Kyle Larson is long gone and looking for the checkered flag. Young money
5: in the field. Goodbye as he exits turn number two. He has driven away to a five, six, seven, eight truck length advantage. Off turn four. Checkered flag
4: ready to fly. Kyle Larson set to do it again. Here he is. Rich Keeter puts the checkers in the air and Kyle Larson wins the Tyson 250 at North Wilkesboro Speedway.
6: There are two spots remaining in the All-Star and a fan vote. The two spots will be filled by the driver winning this event and the runner-up. 100 laps, and the green flag is in the air, and Ty Gibbs is gone. Crossover, McDowell, three wide, and they're going to go around. Justin Haley's in the wall, Michael McDowell's in the wall. And the caution flag flies. They all went for the same spot. Dave Moody and two are going to come up short. Room for one. Three tried to go there. It is getting physical for the lead over in turn number four in front of Dave Moody. Michael McDowell held off.
5: Josh Berry, Gibbs
4: now, beating the back off of Barry and trying to hold off Eric Alvaroma. Off turn number four, checkered flag in the air. The open is complete. Josh Barry is an all-star in the NASCAR Cup Series. Ty Gibbs is an all-star in the NASCAR Cup Series. They advance to the main event. All we have to do now is wait and find out who won the fan vote. We're back in North Wilkesboro Speedway. The open is over. The fan vote winner is Noah Gregson, and he's with Steve Post.
11: Noah Gregson, fan vote winner. What does that mean to you, young man? Uh, the world it's so awesome uh all the support from the fans
2: i mean we see a weekend and week out
4: daniel suarez is on the inside of the front row chris busher flanks him to his right elbow field through turns three and four fans on their feet off turn four green flag goes in the air we're officially racing at north wilkesboro daniel suarez leads the field off turn two trouble He's turn done. four stenhouse gets clipped by eric jones around the keeps it off the
5: inside wall, straightens it out at the start finish line. Stenhouse tried to get back to
4: the bottom. Eric Jones had his foot in the door in turn four. Driver we did not mention in the top five. That's Kyle Larson busted for speeding on pit road, had to start at the back of the field. But Dave, he's working the outside lane and working it well. He
5: is trying to. Ty Gibbs just got rooted up four wide into turn two. Everybody gets by. Larson
6: got boxed around a little bit, but he has found his way back to the bottom of the racetrack. Side by side for the race lead, the crowd losing their mind up to David's Kyle Larson. That was way too easy. Larson just drove under Daniel
5: Suarez going into turn one, drove away in turn two. By the time they get to four, he's up by four car lengths
6: way here in the All-Star event. 100 in, 100 to go, and it's Kyle Larson who is dominating right now.
4: Kyle Larson up off of turn number four. White flag goes in the air. Young Money is a lap away from Big Money. Harvick
5: to the bottom of the racetrack, just waves him by. Final pass of the night.
6: Star winner three of the last five times out take the check to the bank one million dollars Kyle Larson has won the NASCAR all-star race at the North Wilkesboro
7: Speedway in dominating fashion this car was just so good I was so bad uh, Friday and Saturday and um, honestly (laughs) I told my buddies I was like I'm gonna run like 15th today so I mean, never, I think that just shows that never count out this team. You know, they, even when we were not good in practice, you give them a night to work on it, they're going to get it better. So they got two nights to work on it this week. And that's why we were so good there in the race there. So uh, a million bucks, third all-star win, third different track, it feels, feels so good.
8: Coming up, former Coca-Cola 600 winner Austin Dillon will join us and later we'll celebrate the life and legacy of NASCAR Hall of Famer, Bud Moore.
3: This is NASCAR live now back to Mike Bagley. We continue on
8: this week's NASCAR live. Austin Dillon seems to have a way about him in big races. Two of his four career wins have come in crown jewel races, including the 2017 Coca-Cola 600. Austin came close to winning his second last year in a race that frustrates him to this very day. Our Jason toy had a chance to sit down with Austin to discuss what some redemption would mean this year
1: as well as his recent trip to Fort Bragg. Before we talk about the six hundred, let's talk about last weekend. I know the outcome wasn't there that you wanted, but how cool was it to go to North Wilkesboro with everything that you know that they had built over the years since '96, going back to it and then building it back to? I tell you what, it looked like it, we had never left it.
12: Yeah, no, I think it was very special to be there and get to be a part of the festivities. Uh, obviously, I went to bed thinking we're going to have a shot at a million dollars and we finished really good in the heat race and then dropped the green flag and that was not the case um it was tough that old that old track is is hard to get a grip on and i felt good about it uh like i said saturday night but something changed between saturday and sunday so next year maybe we'll get another shot at it and um you know try again but yeah you know moving forward the 600 has been really good to us and and hopefully we can you know rebound this weekend let's
1: talk about the 600 a little bit you're a past winner is this one of the most grueling races that you
12: guys have every year? Oh, for sure. You know, I mean, the track is rough. You're beating around in the seat, and um, man, it's just—it's uh, a long grind. You're trying to do your best out there to, you know, put your car in, in uh, good positions because you don't want to be taken out early. And then you're trying to make your car better as the the track goes from light to dark, and the grip's always changing. And now we've got the PJ one, so. You know, you might have a car that starts the race good and then ends it bad. So you're constantly just trying to work on that balance and, and make making sure your car stays up with the track. One of the great
1: things about our sport, it truly is a team effort. And this, to me, is the most taxing on-the-team race that we'll have. There'll be a ton of pit stops throughout the night. You guys will be hot in the car. They'll be hot on pit road, too. It's, but you got, the way things are nowadays, You has got to be perfect every single time when you
12: come down pit road. For sure. And, and the guys are, you know, they're so good. I'm, I'm proud of our three team. They did a good job in the pit, stu, pit stop competition last weekend. So um, hopefully we get a good pit stall after we qualify and, and put ourselves in a good spot for the race. You know, we got to go out there and, and, and definitely make sure we qualify well. You know, and
1: to me, this, it's one of the great weekends of motorsports. When you think about it, you got Formula One that starts at Monaco, you go to the Indy 500, and then you guys will, will roll later on in the evening with the 600. Do you sit there and and watch a lot of the of that day before you have to head out
12: i do it's always interesting to, i mean it's the greatest day in racing really you know you got all three of the top uh levels of motorsports out there getting after it and um, for us to finish that day off is always cool so you wake up watching racing and you finish the day in a race car
4: Austin Dillon leads with Tyler Reddick in tow off turn four. Trying to win to get into the playoffs. Here he comes up off turn four. Last-ditch effort from Austin Cindric. Can't do it. Checkered flag in the air. Austin Dillon wins the Coke Zero Sugar 400 at Daytona. Austin Dillon, Richard Childress racing. They are going to the playoffs. They win the regular season finale here at the World Center of Racing.
1: Let's talk about your car a little bit, uh- you always have good-looking race cars coming out of your race shop, but this weekend you got a nice paint scheme. Tell folks about it.
12: Yeah, you know, Johnny Morris and Bass Pro Shop team always do something great, and they, they're huge supporters, supporters of the military. Um, I believe it's uh, 10% off all, all items at Bass Pro Shop for the military discount. Um, so, you know, Memorial Day weekend is one of my favorite races. Obviously, all the branches of our military are represented there, and then we have 600 miles of remembrance. Um, We have a Navy SEAL in our car, Mark Crampton, and um, his family will be at the track. And always great meeting those people that truly, you know, make this country what it is and allow us to go out there and race and have fun on the weekends. The families that paid the ultimate sacrifice.
1: Austin Dillon is here with us as we get ready for the Coke 600 here this weekend. And Austin, before we get ready to wrap things up here, getting at a halfway point part of the season here, what more do you guys have to do? You've had really good runs. I know the finishes haven't shown that.
12: Yeah, you know, it's frustrating. Just, just this year's been pretty tough on us when it comes to the finishes and getting in wrecks and, um, you know, just not being able to, you know, get the ball rolling. We seem to have a good week and then back it up with a really bad week. I think we've got more finishes in the back of the pack than I've ever had um, in my career. So, you know, we just got to turn it around. We got to keep fighting, keep scratching, keep, keep crawl, uh, crawling forward to get ourselves in a better points position, you know, the the penalty obviously just, you know, killed our momentum. And we had bad weeks after that. So um, we'll have to, you know, get our stuff back together. And and, um, I think we got some good runs coming. Obviously we can turn it around this weekend with the win at the Coke 600.
8: Thank you, Jason. Coming up, we'll learn more about NASCAR legend, Bud Moore. And later we learn what goes into driving 1,100 miles on Memorial Day weekend.
3: This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. This Memorial
8: Day weekend, we all honor our fallen military members. And one of NASCAR's most notable military veterans is NASCAR Hall of Famer Bud Moore. Susie Armstrong has more on his life and on track accomplishments.
10: Bud Moore a decorated World War II Army veteran who fought in the D-Day invasion and the Battle of the Bulge, returned from the war to his home in Spartanburg, South Carolina, where he built one of the greatest racing empires in NASCAR history. Moore's cars were both fast and dependable, attracting the sport's top competitors. Twelve of Moore's drivers have been enshrined into the NASCAR Hall of Fame, including Fireball Roberts and Cotton Owens, who hailed from Moore's hometown. More later Discuss the importance that the Sparkle City played in NASCAR's history.
13: Well, as you know, I started, me and Cotton Oil started in 1957, I mean 1947, running the Modifieds and all. And uh, as we progressed and all this, we had some guys started coming in, you know, and seeing us run and all this. So first thing we know, we had one or two race teams started coming in. And on up when we got up into the 60s, we had 12 major race teams there in Spartanburg and all this. And. Then when Charlotte was built in 1960, when we started running the first race there, and then a lot of the teams and all left Spartanburg and moved to Charlotte because they could could go testing there at the Charlotte Motor Speedway and then have to go here and there. So at one time, uh, you know, Talladega was supposed to have been built in Spartanburg. And one guy on the city council, he knocked it down, and that's why France didn't get to put the racetrack there. But if the racetrack had been put in Spartanburg, uh, all the 40, 50 teams right now would be in Spartanburg instead of being in Charlotte.
10: No one made more starts for more than 2015 class hall of famer, Joe Weatherly. Little Joe was the longest tenured driver for Moore and his most successful. Weatherly won successive cup series championships in 1962 and 63. Between the 61 and 64 seasons, he went on to win 20 races and posted 67 top five finishes for the car owner. Buddy Baker made 99 starts for Moore, producing five race victories from 1974 to 1977. Moore and Baker enjoyed their most success together during the 1975 season when Baker swept both Talladega races. The first coming in the Winston 500 representing Moore's first victory at the storied super speedway.
11: They let it all hang out. The draft is the big factor. Pearson floorboards that car going after Baker, shrinking the advantage as they move into the banking of turn three. One lap car ahead of them. Pearson charging, closing,
1: closing, closing with every foot of the racetrack. Pearson with seven car lengths back. He's four. He's three.
14: He's chopped it down to three car lengths. As they come out of the fourth turn, Pearson is two car lengths back on Buddy Baker as they move to the trial. Well, Pearson swings to the outside. He's up there. David
4: Pearson is riding up. Now he cuts to the inside on Buddy Baker. Here they come to the line. Baker's still in front. Pearson dives low. Baker will win it. Buddy Baker wins it by less than a car length.
8: Right, if you've never seen yeah, yeah. Buddy Baker kiss a full grown man, you just saw it then. Moore, right okay, there. now we've got Bud Moore. Bud, how about this race?
13: Oh, it's a wonderful feeling uh, to run all as good as we did all day and qualify as good and then win the race. And I know Pearson was trying as hard as he could and uh, we had to sneaker him a little bit at the start finish line. but. We won it. We won the pole. We won everything. and We're really proud that uh, Buddy drove a race like he did. All our crew worked well.
10: Alabama gang founder Bobby Allison enjoyed two stints racing for more. The first came in 1967, where Allison made four starts. Allison would return in 1978 and stay through the 1980 season, making 92 starts. None more important than in 78, when he won the season opening Daytona 500.
11: And the fans in the back straightaway stands are on their feet, waving to Bobby as he
1: goes through the number three turn. Allison has done just what he said he would, draft off the faster cars down the straightaway and use his handling advantage and stability to win the Daytona 500. Here he is, coming to the stripe to win the Daytona 500,
0: the leader of the Alabama gang, Bobby Allison is successful here
3: today.
10: Looking to get his mojo back following a winless campaign in 1981, Dale Earnhardt raced for more in 1982 and 83, returning to his winning ways. Overall, the Intimidator made 60 starts, winning three times, the last of which granted Earnhardt his first of a record 10 Cup Series victories at Talladega Super Speedway.
5: The final roll of the dice, and right now it's Dale Earnhardt, and Bobby Allison has fallen in through and is between, Er Earnhardt. Earnhardt and Waltrip as they come off turn number four. It's Dale Earnhardt with the lead. He's got Waltrip behind him as Allison gets out of the way.
14: Earnhardt brings him down into the dogleg. Waltrip will have one final shot. Here he comes trying to draft down on the apron of the track and get underneath him. There's traffic dead ahead as they cross the stripe. It'll be Earnhardt
10: by a half a car length. 2017 NASCAR Hall of Famer Benny Parsons spent the 1981 season behind the wheel of Moore's number 15 Ford, winning three times on the season at Nashville, Richmond, and Texas World Speedway.
11: But more in the crew watching as Benny Parsons has 10 car lanes of an edge to turn three over Earnhardt. But Earnhardt tries to make a move. Earnhardt has been leading much of this afternoon, has been going that low gale. Now Benny Parsons is beating him to it, but Earnhardt is coming back. Earnhardt is beginning to close on Benny Parsons.
14: As they come out of turn number four, Parsons by four car lengths. Earnhardt will take a run at him, but he will not make it, and Benny Parsons will win the Budweiser 400 here at College Station, Texas, by some three car lengths over the Wrangler machine of Dale Earnhardt.
10: Cale Yarborough, David Pearson, Rex White, Bobby Isaac, and Daryl Waltrip round out the impressive list of Hall of Famers to have raced for more, each making up to a handful of starts, with Waltrip being the lone exception, driving 19 times. In total, Moore's teams won 63 times, spanning 37 years in the NASCAR Cup Series, the last coming in 1993 when Jeffrey Bodine took Moore to victory lane one final time at Sonoma Raceway through
12: turn
11: 11. Bodine cleanly through. He'll straighten away towards the pit straight. Just a straightaway separating Jeff Bodine from the win. The motocraft crew goes out to the wall. They're jumping and cheering.
10: Jeff Bodine wins. Moore's decorated career as a team owner landed him in the NASCAR Hall of Fame in 2011, where he called it one of the greatest honors of his life.
13: Being in racing for 50 years like I was and all the championships I won All the races we won and had all 43 different drivers drive for me and and a lot of experience that I had racing uh, and all in all and then coming here and being inducted in the Hall of Fame like we did last tonight. It's one of the greatest honors I guess I've ever had. I'm in most all the Hall of Fame now that I know of, but, uh, I'm in, but this is the greatest.
10: As we celebrate Memorial Day, we remember Bud Moore, a country mechanic turned champion team owner whose legacy and impact on the sport stands the test of time.
8: Thank you, Susie. Coming up, we'll hear why Kyle Larson is taking an extra year to prepare to run the Coca-Cola 600 Indy 500 double. And later, we'll hear what the drivers are expecting on Sunday evening at Charlotte Motor Speedway.
3: This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley.
8: Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Sunday is considered by many to be the greatest day in motorsports. Over the years, a few select drivers have made it the most grueling day in motorsports by competing in both the Indianapolis 500 and the Coca-Cola 600. Next year, Kyle Larson will add his name to that list. What makes this such a huge undertaking? Tim Famo has
0: more. Kyle Larson is known in the motorsports community as a Swiss Army Knife type of driver. The 30-year-old has won at the highest level of dirt and stock car racing.
6: Kyle Larson is your 2021 NASCAR Cup Series champion. A
0: year from now, he will take on a new challenge known as the Memorial Day Double, competing in two events, the Indianapolis 500 and the Coca-Cola 600 on the same day, both of which are two of the most prestigious races in each racing division's respective circuit.
2: It's obviously very exciting. It's been you know something that I've I've wanted to do for a very long time. Just I, I wanted to be patient and, and kind of wait for the timing to feel right, and, and then it, it feels right, you know. Being having Hendrick Motorsports be extremely supportive of it and and, and supporting the efforts with Aero McLaren is something that I'm I'm extremely excited about to have Rick and Jeff Gordon involved in. You know, Jeff had kind of told me that you know I get to live out a dream of his, so that that's really special also to me. So I've obviously come here a lot in a stock car. I lived in the area for a couple of years, <clears throat> so this this place for a long time you know felt like like home or a second home to me. So and in my opinion, you know this is the the biggest race in the world. So you want to be a part of the big ones and, and hopefully you know, someday you'll be a winner of a, of a big event. The
0: task for Larson will be challenging for many reasons. Not only is it a mad dash to get from Indianapolis to Charlotte to compete in two different races on the same day, but out of the four previous drivers who have attempted the marathon, Tony Stort is the only one to complete all 1,100 miles. The first to attempt this feat was John Andretti back in 1994. His uncle Mario is a motorsports legend, as he is one at the highest level in IndyCar NASCAR and Formula One if anyone understands the difficulty of this task it's him
14: to have these two races uh, you know on the same same basic day that's a big job I have a a lot of respect for anyone that's that's doing I know that my uh, my nephew John was the first one to, to try to do it you know when you're with the top team however it, it makes the situation you know a lot better uh, more interesting uh you mentioned you know kyle larson i mean uh, if anybody could do something something good there it's him i, I think the talent there is immeasurable you know with this with this guy and um, again it'll bring so much interest you know into the sport anyway so it's good for the sport like i said it, it's quite a bit challenge for for anyone but why not you know
0: why not equipment does and will matter the last driver to give this task a go was kurt bush in 2014 driving an andretti owned race car he finished sixth in indianapolis in the 500 as a rookie but luck wasn't on his side when he blew a motor later on in the coca-cola 600 looking back bush thinks experience is the key to success when running an indycar so i accomplished a lot in my trip other than
15: getting a, a top five or a podium or going for the win and to do that that to make that final step happen I think you have to be one of those regulars you have to know the the, the aerodynamics you have to know the other guys out on the track there's there's so much um, of a keen sense that guys have when they're in the top five i know it when i
0: run in the top five you can feel it in the car and it's it's tough to do it when you only do it once a year one man who has run in both events but not attempted the double is aj almendinger he disagrees with kurt bush's sentiment running any car around indy is absolutely insane
15: there's one time in my life that i remember thinking oh my god i am absolutely flying because we get so used to speed, and you think it's all relative. Like, you know, running 200, running 80, like, it all feels the same. No, going down the back straightaway, leading the Indy 500, I was shaking. Because I was like, oh, my God, I'm absolutely flying right now. I'm running, like, 238 <laughs> down this straightaway. And I'm leading the Indianapolis 500. Don't forget to turn left. Yeah. And those turns, you think they come up fast enough in you know, a cup car? God, man, they come up really fast in Indy cars. So, I believe that, I mean, Tony was close to, to winning both of them. I think he, what the best was, what, 6th and 3rd or 3rd yeah. and 6th, however it worked out. Kyle could easily
0: win both of them. AJ followed up on that bold statement by saying, Larson may be the only one capable of not just completing the challenge, but winning. Kyle Larson is an absolute badass.
15: And I mean, he, to me, is one of the best race car drivers we have in this world, in any form of racing. I mean, you, you put him in anything. I mean, he goes out there and wins races. And his talent just always blows my mind. So if a guy is going to do it, he needs to be the guy that's going to do it because he legitimately will have a shot to win both races.
0: Another driver who shares a similar opinion is IndyCar regular Santino Ferrucci, who has a few words of wisdom for Larson. You
2: got to be hypersensitive, man. I think Kyle's probably one of the most talented drivers currently uh, in the world. So I'm super excited to see what he does uh, in an IndyCar. But if if he's paying attention to all his feelings and Everything that he gets out of the car,
0: he's going to be just fine. Over a span of two years, Ferrucci ran a total of nine Xfinity Series races and knows just how much of a challenge it can be to go back and forth between NASCAR
2: and IndyCar. It is hard going back and forth because of the speed difference. Um, Having just run the GP in the IndyCar and having run the GP in the Xfinity Series car, the braking references are about 600 feet apart, and the speed's about 30 miles an hour difference at the top end. So, you know, it's... It's definitely different. It has its challenges, but both are real fun. Hendrick Motorsports Vice
0: Chairman Jeff Gordon knows a thing or two about winning at Indianapolis as he won the Brickyard 400 five times in his Cup Series career. But Jeff even admits this is a task on a completely different level.
14: As a driver, driving a race car it is sort of natural of what, what you need to go fast and to, to compete. And you're talking about Indianapolis at 230-plus miles per hour and, and you know what it takes to get comfortable what you know, kind of language there is for a driver of the types of things that they're talking about versus uh, a stock car or sprint car. So, you know, for us, I think I think on the Hendrick Motorsports side, it's building this relationship with Aaron McLaren so that next year that we can you know do everything we can to to maximize its full potential, get Kyle everything he needs, get Aaron McLaren everything that they need, you know, to to make sure that this effort goes as smooth as possible and gives them the best opportunity to get a great result.
0: Not only is Gordon doing what he can to help Larson, he knows this is a big deal for Hendrick Motorsports as a whole to try something new in the racing community.
14: I sure as heck right now don't want to drive into Turn 1 at 238 miles or whatever they're running, but Kyle does, and Kyle's capable of it, and the fact that Rick has never been to the Indianapolis 500, and you know, we're going to go to Le Mans this year, and next year he's going to come to the Indianapolis 500, I, that's extremely exciting for our organization.
0: Even though the event is a year out,
2: Larson has already begun preparing for the double they gave me a big packet of stuff to look at notes and dash um, displays and uh, emailed me you know some onboard footage so I watched I watched all of that and and kind of got a sense of just, you know, nice to see the onboard and see, you know, shifting and adjusting all the cockpit adjustable things that they have and just seeing how the flow of the race kind of goes and how they position themselves behind people in traffic, stuff like that. Restart procedures, all all of that. Pit stops, pulling into your pit pit sign and all of that. Larson has yet to get behind the wheel of an Indy car and until he does so, he plans to take baby steps throughout the process. I don't know what I'm testing yet, so I don't want to, like, pick people's brains yet other drivers brains too early on and and then have to go to them in a few months and ask the same questions over again so i kind of want to just i want to wait a little bit to pick their brains some um, you know i, I definitely want to talk to guys who are familiar with stock cars and indie cars you know jimmy Kurt, guys who are who've done this more recently but again I don't want to do it too too early yet and, and get on their nerves when I go to ask them again later on.
0: One driver Larson will lean on for expertise is 2016 Indy 500 winner Alexander Rossi who won the race in his first attempt. Rossi doesn't believe lack of experience will be an issue
16: for his new Aero McLaren teammate. Oh I don't think he needs advice you know I think he's one of the best racing drivers on, on earth and you know I've known him for shoot 20 odd years now you know we grew up in northern California and race go-karts together and stuff so it's, it's amazing to have him on the team i think it's a a really cool story to have him obviously attempt the double but yeah i mean i think the biggest thing is just uh this place because you have so much time here and i kind of told him this when he was here the other day like you you'll be happy one day and miserable the next and like you can't really get spun out by it um this track just has a way of doing that so i think you know you just have to enjoy the the process and the ups and downs but yeah i mean i think that we've seen historically that cup drivers you know the transition to, to indycar at indy is actually pretty seamless. So, you know, I think he'll be up to speed right away, and I think he'll provide new insight that maybe for things that we haven't thought of in the past. Rossi is one of the few to have immediate success in the Indy 500, and knows even the sport's greatest competitors have struggled at times. To win it, like, There's guys that have been trying this who are some of the best IndyCar drivers that we've seen. Joseph Newgarden, he's probably the best you know oval driver that the series has, and like this race has eluded him, so it's it's hard for anyone to win. But yes, I I think Kyle will be a contender, and and he'll have the tools to, to go attempt it. Kyle Larson will have one year to prepare for the longest day of racing in his career.
0: Even though finishing both events will be a feat of its own, one of NASCAR's best will attempt to make history as he tries to conquer the Memorial Day Double.
8: Coming up, we'll preview Sunday's Coca-Cola 600, and later we'll close the show by flashing back to the 1979 renewal of the World 600.
5: This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my! Look at that! He is!
8: Welcome back to NASCAR Live on Sunday evening. For the 64th consecutive year, the Charlotte Motor Speedway will be home to our sport's longest race, the Coca-Cola 600. What's it going to take to come out on top in one of NASCAR's biggest races? Kyle Ricky has what the drivers are saying.
9: The month of May has been full of racing in the Carolinas for the stars of the NASCAR Cup Series. Things wrap up this weekend with a true home game with the Coca-Cola 600 at the Charlotte Motor Speedway. Last year's 600 was truly a wild affair. The race featured 18 cautions and became the longest race in NASCAR history at 619 and a half miles, thanks to multiple overtime attempts. Is there any chance the 2023 edition will be as crazy? Tyler Reddick says it will depend a lot on the weather. I think it'll really depend on the forecast. Obviously we run the race and it starts as the
15: sun's setting and runs into the night, so the track will definitely cool off. We saw at Texas where, you know, the track really cooled off and, and the speeds and, and the loads going through the cars changed. It increased as the temperatures dropped. So that some of that might, again, be a factor in the attrition level of the 600, but it's super hot when we start the race. You know, people are gonna be on edge making mistakes. I think the temperature is a pretty big factor in, when you compare Vegas and Kansas with Charlotte's nature of, of the surface, the color of the surface, and just how
9: much it changes with temperature, I I do hope that it does produce some of that similar excitement. With the race being 100 miles longer, the demand on the drivers is as high as it gets all year. 2018 Coke 600 champion Kyle Busch says the race is definitely physically demanding.
15: So, yeah, it's definitely physically demanding. You know, you get to... Uh, I've had coke 600s where after the race is over i'm i'm fine i'm good i have no issue you know and i've had coke 600s where i'm i looked up at the scoreboard and i and it was mile marker 500 and i was like okay you know we should be done and i'm like damn we still got 100 more to go this is gonna be a a, a night i think it kind of depends on you know your your routine your your workout and that sort of stuff uh i've also had more super speedway races probably where I felt more mental fatigue just of all the decision-making processes and everything that you got to think through where Coke 600 I don't think is uh, is is too terrible on that for me.
9: Series points leader Ross Chastain has an interesting perspective on how demanding the sport's longest race can be. Chastain had one of the fastest cars on track last year driving for track house racing. And he can now say that the toll the 600 takes on a driver is much more manageable now than when it was when he was driving for the smaller team, Premium
14: Motorsports. I don't do much different, though, to prepare. Um, It's going to be painful physically a little bit. It's going to be a little, it's going to be mentally taxing. Uh, But you talk about those, you know, if it's five, it's probably in that, I think it's in that ballpark there. Um, Those first two, With Premium Motorsports and Jay Robinson, were a whole lot harder than it's been the last two with CGR and Trackhouse. uh, It's a whole lot easier to run 600 miles in a fast car. It's a whole lot harder to run 600 miles or 588 miles in a slow car.
9: While Chastain's perspective on the 600 has changed over his five starts in the event, things have changed even more over the course of Kevin Harvick's career. Sunday will mark Harvick's 23rd and final start in the Memorial Day weekend tradition. The two-time Coke 600 winner says back in his first few starts, the key to the race was taking it easy until it got dark. But that isn't the way to go in recent years. I remember when I started racing the 600, it was all about pacing yourself until it got dark.
15: Well, right now it's really, there's really no pacing yourself. You go as, you go as hard as you can go and, and still have the same goal of keeping yourself on the lead lap and, and doing the things that you need to do until it's dark. Back in the day, it was, you know, take care of the motor. And they always, you know, seemed to detune the motor a little bit for that particular race to, to try to make it survive because everything was built to go 500 miles for the most part, and, and now you got you have to run them three races. So, but the engine stop shop will still.
9: They'll still have a miniature freak out. you know, just knowing that it's an extra 100 miles just because that's what they do. Bush and Harvick are two of the past champions that have a Coca-Cola 600 win on their resume. One driver that has come close but doesn't yet have that 600 trophy is Chase Elliott. The 2020 Series champion says winning the race is definitely on his and every other driver's
16: bucket list. I wish I had. We got really close there once, but... Yeah, you know, it's a it's a certainly a, a big race on the schedule and, and a race that everybody wants to that everybody wants to win and and I'm no different in that regard. You know, I'd love to check that box and say I've won the six hundred, you know, that's a big deal. So I, yeah, of course I wanna win it and uh, hopefully we can, you know, achieve that someday.
9: So just what makes the Coca Cola six hundred so special? Corey LaJoy grew up attending the race. And he says just thinking about the pre-race ceremonies
1: dedicated to the military gives him goosebumps. Just going to that race as a kid, growing up in your backyard, but those guys really embrace the Memorial Day aspect with all the pre-race festivities. It gives you goosebumps. I've got goosebumps right now just talking about, you know, the Blackhawks flying in and guys rappelling with ropes into the ball field before the before the race starts. And then you also know as a driver you're going to be you're going to be locked in for four and a half hours. Race transitions from day to night. Your car goes through a lot of balance changes, so it definitely takes every ounce of concentration you have, and you have to have a really solid pit crew night. You have to have a really solid uh, just focus from top to bottom. So, yeah, Coke 600 is, is one of my crown jewels on my list for sure.
9: So what team can best handle the high speeds and changing track conditions over the course of 600 miles? If last year taught us anything, it is that we won't know until the winner takes the checkered flag. We'll find out just who that is when one of NASCAR's crown jewels, the Coca-Cola 600, headlines what many call the greatest day in motorsports.
8: That preview of this weekend's action at Charlotte Motor Speedway was brought to you by Wheelan Engineering. Wheelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, has been manufacturing in America for over 70 years. We never left, and we're here to stay. Coming up, we go back in time to 1979 and revisit the 20th running of the World 600.
3: This is NASCAR Live. Now,
8: back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. The MRN time machine is fired up and ready to roll, and it's ready to send us back to May 27, 1979, when a future Hall of Famer won his second straight World 600.
12: Earnhardt
1: down to the inside. He fakes a move inside The moves back up. Barney, I've run out of cliches except to say that Winston Cup racing is the most exciting sport anywhere, and they're proving that right now as Petty and Earnhardt battle out of turn two. They're still single file. They may stay that way to the last lap.
11: Indeed, nobody making a charge right here. I think everybody's done all the work they want to do. They're going to wait for that last lap and let all the cards sit on the table.
4: Here comes Waltrip to the stripe, and it will be white flag for Darrell Waltrip in the Gatorade Chevrolet as he swings across the line here comes
1: Richard Petty and Earnhardt. Let's go to Mike Joy. Waltrip swings out of turn one, and nobody is watching. Eyes glued on Richard Petty and Dale Earnhardt. Petty is very high in turn number one this last time around. Earnhardt sneaks a peek down low. Petty comes down to cover the spot. They open up a margin on Yarborough and Parsons. They are nose to tail halfway down the back stretch for second spot.
11: The battle now second place is Earnhardt goes on the inside of Richard Petty. Earnhardt goes down underneath. He's got second place, but let's not count out Richard Petty. He goes underneath Dale Earnhardt and reappropriates
14: second spot. Checkered flag for Daryl Waltham. You
8: can hear that race in its entirety right now by subscribing to MRN Classic Races wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd like to thank Austin Dillon for joining us on this week's show. I'm Mike Bagley. For the rest of the MRN crew, we'd like to thank you for joining us as well. Don't forget, NASCAR Live wide open. You can catch that on Thursday wherever you listen to your podcast, And, of course, we'll talk all about it one week from tonight, NASCAR Live, 7 p.m. Eastern time, Tuesday nights right here on the Motor Racing Network. Until we speak again, friends, have a great weekend and so long, everybody.
3: NASCAR Live is a production of the Motor Racing Network with studios in Concord, North Carolina. And was brought to you by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. Today's broadcast was produced by Trey Downing, Pat Jaggers, and Julian Council. The executive producer for MRN is Ryan Horn. Remember to visit MRN.com for all of the latest news and information. NASCAR Live is produced under an exclusive license with NASCAR. Any use of the accounts and descriptions contained in this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network.